Double Play Fantasy Baseball Show with D. Mindy. Little Cheesecake and Doc starts now. It's showtime. Welcome into the show, ladies and gentlemen. The Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show, a proud member of the Fantrax Podcast Network and the Fantrax HQ family. D. Mendy here. I'm joined by a man that takes the cake. That's Art Tornabeni, a.k.a. Lil Cheesecake, the LC. LZ, how's it going? Uh, there's a lot of things breaking in my house this week. So, uh, so I, you know, it's going okay, but I, uh, my handyman skills are being pushed to their very limit. And, uh, and I'm afraid some money's going to be going out of my pocket to, uh, to re, to repair some things. But other than that stuff, you know, talking baseball with my boys here, life is good. Uh, I was going to say, I, my heart goes out to you because I can just imagine just being like, it's like money flying away. And oh, yeah. that, that's never a good feeling. But it happens in threes too. It's like it happens in threes. Yes, it, it just does. It's 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 awful. But I'm happy that me and then this other guy, who's getting ready to celebrate his first Christmas, the Doc can be here to make it better. But Doc, what's going on, man? Are you excited for Christmas? Yeah, man. You know, uh, hype to celebrate Christmas, but also hype to be on with my guys, talk some baseball, like Art said. I usually don't uh, give compliments your way, David. But you got a good show for today. How is that a compliment to me? That's for everybody. Uh, I said with my guys, meaning plural, meaning art oh, and you, you knit. Fair there enough. There we go. There we go. Compliment over. <laughs> so on deck, we have Triple Play Fantasy's second base rankings 1.0. Where we head into the 2021 season, we want to give an early look at each position, talk about where we're ranking players within these position groups heading into next year. We're going to be using the NFBC rankings as the template for this episode, as we do with every other episode, looking at top guys, guys you're staying away from, values, all the fun rankings talk you love and you crave. Tonight, we're going to be looking at second base with Brent Herzog from the Exit Velocity Baseball Podcast. Get excited for that. After we go to our bullpen for our question of the week, who is the most professional MLB player in the league? And our game of the week coming in to shut the door. But first up to bat is our news and notes. News and notes. First one we want to touch on, Anthony DiSclefani signing with the Giants on a one-year $6 million deal. I want to break it down a little bit, but Cheesecake, what do you think of this deal? Um, I, I'm not too interested in Tony Disco this year. Uh, he he has a big home run problem. and. Um, Last year, in, in well, this past season in 2020, he, he developed a pretty big walk problem as well. Uh, he He's going to be someone who, in a best ball, it looks like he's going to get some innings, so maybe take a flyer on him late in a best ball. But other than that, I, I'm not too interested. So before I dive into him a little bit, Doc, similar thoughts? Yeah, I've never been a big Anthony's Days Lafani fan. He starts out the year well. Then he has a, an outing where he blows up for like nine earned. 7.22 ERA last season. I mean, six mil isn't bad value for one year, but he's not someone that I'm really getting that excited about. So he began the season on the injured list, had a mid-right Terry's major strain. Seemingly like he didn't pitch the year like he normally does. Only pitched 33 and two-thirds innings. He's a 600 career innings guy entering 2020. And he also has a 4.13 ERA, 102 ERA plus before this past season. So 
I think this is somebody who could have a nice bounce back, especially in a environment that just kind of transformed Kevin Gosman and Drew Smiley into fantasy stardom. So I'm actually a little bit in on this move. I think there's not a lot of risk there. And I know Mike Curl, and this is someone he's stamping his name on early, but I really like him at what I see and, and the stuff that he has. So I think this is, could be somebody that you can snag at the end of your drafts so that could be very useful for you for the fantasy season. But let's go to another pitcher that just got signed, and that is Michael Waka. The Rays signed Michael Waka to a one-year $3 million deal, so half of what Disco got. Doc, what are you feeling about this move? All right, well, I just looked them up, and I did not realize that Michael Waka is only 29 years old. Seems like he's been in the league forever. That is crazy. Yeah, he's someone I'm not too excited about. He had He's had an ERA of four or more for the last five seasons. He had a 6.62 ERA last year. If there's actually any team that I feel him good about him going to, it's the Rays because they don't use traditional starters. I, I think maybe he might be more effective pitching three to four innings in middle relief, um, maybe following an opener. Um, but I'd say better value signing than Dave Sclafani. And, you know, I see a little bit of art in Michael Waka. They got the similar facial hair, you know, older gentleman, uh, per, you know, kind of perplexed look. I don't know. I'm 29. Am I old? No. He didn't call you perplexed, though. He called me <laughs> perplexed. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> He's just throwing insults to everybody. But, uh, Cheesecake, are you feeling wacky for Wonka? Waka? Uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Waka, his ERA stunk last year. His FIP stunk. His ex-FIP stunk. But his K-to-walk K to ratio got really good. But his home run ratio went through the roof. Uh, that was the same problem he had in 126 innings in 2019. He had the high home run weight rate, and it went up by half a home run per nine in 2020 to 2.38. So, because it's the Rays, I think that they'll have a they'll use him well. But I, like uh, like Doc said, I think it's possible that he becomes a a a a bulk innings guy after an opener, or you know, two times through the the order pitcher as a starter uh like i said uh, about tony disco i i take waka as a as a best ball arm but uh but not much else the good news waka had a 23.7 percent strike rate which is highest since 2013 his four and a half percent walk rate was his lowest ever but looking past his 662 era which doc touched on there also he did allow a lot of bad contact he allowed nine home runs, which also accumulated to the one of the highest home run per nine rates in baseball. His four-seamer got hit for an over 400 average. But again, kind of looking at silver lining, his velocity at 93.6 average mile per hour rebounded from his 93 mile per hour in 2019. So it went up a little bit. Still not his 95 mile an hour uh, average velocity that it was back in 2017. But it's the Rays, man. I don't ever, when a Rays trade for a pitcher, my eyebrow goes up. And he's, again, someone that's not going to cost a lot. Like you said, Cheesecake, a great guy in best ball, but probably somebody I might take in towards the end of my regular drafts as well. I can just stash on my bench, see what happens. If he's somebody that is a follower that can accumulate some wins like Ryan Riarboro does and pitch two innings, that's value. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'm all in on that. 
I would hate myself if I didn't say that he also has a good nickname of Waka Flocka Flame. There you go. That's a good nickname. The Mets and Blue Jays appear as the two favorites to land George Springer, according to Jeff Passan of ESPN. So we've got two teams kind of jockeying for him, it seems, at this point. Cheesecake, which destination do you like better for him at the two? Well, I like I like the Blue Jays better for selfish reasons. One, because there's so many Mets that he just there's this cascading effect of time that there's a lot of Mets that I like that would lose out playing time if he went to the Mets. But also, I think that the Blue Jays, it'd be nice for them to have a, a good veteran presence on that team, a guy that can go right at the top of their lineup and uh, and and push you know some people down a spot so uh, so that they can get you know bat behind him. Uh, I think in ter- in probably Buffalo this upcoming season. He also would have a very good season. There's, that's a good lineup, uh, and it's a better hitting park, I think, than he's played with in, in Houston. And also, stay out of New York. Please please don't go to New York. My Dominic Smith love can't take you going to New York and, and relegating him to like 400 ABs this season. Come on. If you were to go to the Blue Jays, I mean, think about it. They already have Gurriel, Teoscar Hernandez in the outfield. Right, I mean, Randall Gritchick is a free agent, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. No, he just signed a contract extension recently. Did he? So you have those three yeah, already. Bad, bad, bad money there. And you have Kevin Biggio, Vlad. You have hopefully Rowdy Telez, one of the guys that that I'm in on, as well as many other fantasy analysts. I mean, where do you put him? Like, yeah, who, who goes out? Alejandro Kirk, all the Alejandro Kirk stock of him as DH. Yeah, who who goes out? I don't for for fantasy reasons for getting those players. I don't like either of these teams, honestly. Now that you you put it that way, but I think I think Toronto wants to make a splash as well too. But we'll see. They should do so with pitching because they don't need help hitting. And they also we didn't even mention Bopichet, who might yeah. be the Tatis this year. The hype that he's getting. I just I don't see where he can go and not bump someone important to them playing time. It's it seems like you have too much already. Why do that, Doc? Before we move to the last one, anything different from you? No, I, I agree uh, with Art. I think with the NL, assuming there's no DH, it's going to be a crowded outfield with Nimmo, Conforto, JD Davis if he goes there. Jeff McNeil plays some outfield. Dom Smith, uh, and then you're only having eight hitters. I, I'd like him more for the Blue Jays. And Art mentioned the veteran presence. I think someone like Teoscar Hernandez then becomes a platoon player, Rowdy Telez. I think if he signs with the Blue Jays, he has an everyday role, probably locked in at that three or four hole. I'm going to say this now. Whoever George Springer signs with, if it's one of those two teams, that those teams will make a trade from a hitter that's going to lose playing time. Oh, great. Yeah, so I don't think he goes either team and they keep their exact same lineup. So I guess that's the one thing we can look at probably for what will happen. The last bit of news, some sad news, Howie Kendrick announced his retirement Monday night on Instagram following 15 seasons in the big leagues. The 37-year-old posted his decision with a photo of himself and his family holding the championship trophy. Doc, what will be your lasting memory of Howie Kendrick? This is easy. Game seven of the World Series, home run to right field that hits off the pole, giving the Nationals their first title since we've been following years of heartbreak. Howie Kendrick is a legend to me forever. And I don't think it's sad news. I think it's happy news. He's going out on a good note. 
before his game really tails off and he becomes a shell of himself. Way to look at the positive of it. I like that. Cheesecake, same memory, I'm assuming, for you? Well, that's the best That's the best moment of his career, I think. Um, and I, I was surprised. I thought he had some time left on his contract. Didn't he sign a multi-year deal before this past season? I think, I think they a player. Am I wrong? I think it was a it team was a option. option. And I'm, I'm 90% sure it was a team option, and they declined it. And he didn't okay, want okay. to go to another team. Okay, okay. I thought, yeah, that, that makes more sense now. I thought he was leaving a year on the table with with the Nationals. That makes more sense now. You know, it's a great career, and he seems to be one of the good guys of baseball. He's going to be missed. So I'm going to add a couple things. Obviously, the home run is big, but the whole thing of when they would – someone would hit a home run, and they would get it on the bench, and he would like act like they were driving cars. Do you guys remember seeing that when they yeah. would show that? Yeah. Him and Adam Eaton. Yeah, like that sticks in my head. And this part, just because I'm always sad when a guy that was in the game, MVP Baseball 2005, retires. I always remember seeing him as one of the players in the game. So that's one of the memories also, just sitting in our clubhouse, which I know Eric remembers, and playing in the dark, like on beanbags, and his name being on the screen when you'd use the Angels. So that is one of the memories that sticks in my mind too. But if you like hearing about Howie Kendrick, if you like what you're hearing so far, make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more Triple Play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy football show and a fantasy basketball show that you can check out, available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about lighting up that Apple Podcast app with a five-star rating and review to support the show? Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Triple Fantasy. Eric runs our social media and provides daily questions stupid annoying horrible gifts i haven't even course. used them in a while you need to update your script it's stupid <laughs> annoying horrible and repetitive that's fine <laughs> and of course our weekly episode drops this holiday season let us be your crackling fire the mixing of mac and cheese the sizzle of your bacon the click of a vacuum scooping up a bunch of crumbs we want to be that pleasant sound in your ear don't, don't deprive yourself of that joy. We want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you. Thank you, the loyal player, for your listens each and every week. And now, Brett Herzog. Welcome to a man that is near and dear to my heart as a fellow Minnesota Twins fan. This man knows the pain of the P word that comes after the regular season. The host of the Exit Velocity Baseball Podcast and the Play Callers College Football Podcast. And if you're looking to take over a team with some really good pitching with a $100 buy-in, look no further because this is the dude you need to talk to. That dude I'm talking about? Well, we are talking to Brent Herzog. What's going on, man? Thanks for coming on the show. How are you doing? Wow, you did some research finding that tweet with the, <laughs> the league out there. That's pretty awesome. But yeah, yeah there's man. no much. There's a lot of pee in Minnesota, a lot of pain. It's the pain, and then we don't even like to say the uh, the P word that comes after the regular season, the playoffs, because having not won a game in, what's it been, like over 10 years now, it's just unbearable. Oh, it's rough. I mean, we can't beat the Yankees, and then we lose to the Astros, and we know how, how we all feel about them, so we'll get there someday. Oh, I'm hoping so, because uh, my heart's been broken just enough times now, so, uh, but... First, I want to say it's finally glad to connect with you because I, you know, I know we've interacted through Twitter and love what you're doing at the Exit Velo pod. So glad we could talk 
voice to, or we don't have face to face with camera, but we have voice to voice. So uh, just kind of interested about yourself a little bit before we dive in. How did you start the Exit Velo podcast? Yeah, I actually started it last year. Me and my buddy, Jordan, we started it because all we did was we'd call each other and talk about baseball literally every night about the box scores, what's going on. And we're like, hey, why don't we just why don't we just do like a podcast and maybe people will be interested. So we started that. And then when COVID hit, we had a bunch of time. We started like MLB, the league show uh, for for the baseball video game, kind of got that going, met a bunch more people and had a couple guests on that were fun to talk to. And just kind of went from there but we haven't recorded since like september 7th so we got to get back on it yeah i mean you guys killing it you had i know zach veen was on your show and i mean you guys have good humor you guys have good analysis you got to give the people what they want man we want more Mm -hmm. yeah i know i'm gonna have to get see if i can try and get some of these guests on we had a we have had a good connection with uh buck farmer was one of the first guys we had on and he's kind of been a good connection for us to get all these other players on that's awesome the uh the tiger is he still with the tigers? Yeah, yep, I believe so. That's awesome. Um, well, we're gonna need your mind tonight, Brent, because as a good baseball mind, you got to keep these other two in check here. <laughs> and for that, for a position that is very scarce, we are talking about the triple play fantasy second base rankings 1.0. And before we head into the 2021 season. We got to give an early look at each position and talk about where we are ranking players within these position groups heading into next season. We're going to be using NFBC rankings as our template for this particular episode and all our rankings as we look at top guys who are straying away from values, you know, all that fun rankings talk. And tonight, like I said, we are looking at the second base position, which should be called like the desert position because not a lot there, honestly, uh, depending on who you're talking to. But we're going to start right into the top 10. And Brent, you're the guest. So I want to start with you. Second baseman that you really like in the top 10 that you were going to try to target in a lot of your drafts. Jose Altuve. To me, it's kind of incredible that he's down at number 10 at a shallow position when he's been probably the best hitter over the past eight years. I know he was part of the Astros cheating scandal, but he pretty much woke up one day and it looks like he said, to the baseball gods, hey, I'll trade you 20 stolen bags for 20 extra home runs, and he kind of got that. So he's found the power, but if he starts running a little bit, which probably won't happen, I have, I mean, I have him ranked as my num- number three overall second baseman. I love him. Yeah, I mean, he's an insane value right now, going from used to be the number one second baseman, still produces good statistics and numbers, and he's going to still be on a pretty good offense. I don't disagree with you there at all. Number 10 is, is kind of mind-blowing to me. Doc, where are you going for this one? So someone in the top 10 I like is Max Muncy, and it's not because he's named after where Art went to high school. For a fun <laughs> fact about him. Um, so he started 2020 hot. And by that, I mean his first game, he had two home runs. Um, a little bit of a down year. He had a 192 batting average, a 331 on base. But I look at some positives. His K rate dropped from 25.3 to 24.2%, and his walk percentage went from 15.3 to 15.7%. And I look in 2018 and 2019, he had 35 home runs each year, 391 and a 374 on base percentage. He's pretty durable. He played 58 out of 60 games. He's played 135 plus the previous couple seasons. First, second, and third base eligible. They have him projected hitting fourth in the lineup. And Cody Bellinger is coming back from shoulder surgery, as we mentioned last week. So if he need, if he's not an everyday player, for some reason needs to spend time on the IL, I think that sure is up Max Muncy in everyday role, maybe at first base. 
but still has that second base eligibility. Cheesecake, does it feel like you're still in a dream when you use the stat cast? Because it still doesn't feel real to me. <laughs> I, there are certain things for stat cast I use. You know, the, the K percentage and walk percentage. When you're like, oh, his Wobicon, his WRC plus. Yeah, I, I won't get to that level. <laughs> if you start doing that, I think I'm going to be in an alternate dimension. <laughs> then I'll go in a different podcast. Cheesecake, what about you? What are you thinking for second base in the top 10? I'm going with the guy who his announcer calls multi-hit. Wit, I'm telling you, if you have, I don't know, I spent probably half an hour watching Kansas City Royals highlights, uh, Whit, Whit Merrifield highlights last night because <laughs> <laughs> he has such a nice swing. He, is, he comes through the ball. He's such, such good hands on his swing coming through the, the zone. Um, Whit is a guy who I think could probably be, be rated as the number one second baseman. Uh, but right now he's going as the three second baseman, 41 off the board. Uh, he, he has had, for the past uh, since since 2018, he has had uh, he has played most every game. Uh, he has led the league in hits in 2018 and 2019, <laughs> and uh, and I project him around at 800 OPS this season with 180 plus runs plus RBIs. Now this is uh, Whit Merrifield is someone who you think well is is that power legit is. Is uh, is the speed going to stay? He did have a, a, a quote unquote down season in, as far as the speed department in 2019, but he still stole 20 bags, which is pretty valuable. And he had 16 home runs that year. Two of them were inside the park. But when you watch as many uh, Whit Merrifield home run highlights as I do, you start to see the pattern of when he gets the ball out. And he's just a good hitter. If the if the fastball's inside and he's waiting on it. He gets his hands through the zone and he puts it in the left field bleachers. It's great to watch him hit. I think the guy's going to be a shoe in for 15 plus home runs, 20 to 30 stolen bases. And his average is really consistent and he plays every day. So, I mean, you're going to have 162 game second baseman with a 280 to 300 average, 15 to 20 home runs and 20 to 30 stolen bases. That's a great, uh, that's, that's a, that's, that's, that's great projections for the acquisition value, uh, that you're getting. Uh, that you're spending on Whit Merrifield. You love Whit Merrifield, that's for sure. And you I love do. Your, you love your Kansas City Royals. You I was going to say, him and, him and Carlos Santana <laughs> on a team, Art is like a match made in heaven. <laughs> I, I actually uh, I actually wanted a, one of the home run calls, the, the color man for the Royals goes, he tries to put a four-seamer in, and oh man, you can't sneak a piece of cheese past a hungry Whit. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I got to watch this guy's games more often. That is great. That is maybe you're gonna. That's gonna be your AL team since you're a Cubs fan. That'll be your American League team. No, I I love it. I'd love to go to Kauffman Stadium and and see a game there. It looks like a good place to see a game, for sure. Maybe in the future on our triple play fantasy budget. That's ten years away. (laughs) But uh, someone that I'm looking at that's Cattell Marte. Anytime when I I see that someone ranks in the top two percent in whiff percentage and K percentage as a hitter, I'm already intrigued. Just that alone. He had similar hard hit percentages, launch angle, and exit velo as he did in 2019 when he semi-broke out. Now, his walks went way down to a putrid 3%, which is one of the worst in baseball. Struggled a lot more to hit against the fastball and off-speed in the 60-game season. But to me, his zone percentage was up 5%. His his zone swing was down 9%. His zone contact was even better than in 2019. So if you're looking that his swing was down, the amount of pitches in the zone was up and the fact that his contact was as good as ever. Take that with that. His first swing percentage was down 7% and his overall swing percentage was down two and a half percent. 
means he still has a good eye. I just don't think he was nearly as aggressive as he needed to be. With all these swings being down, but his contact still being very good, if not better, I just think he needs to be more aggressive at the plate. And that's going to help lead to getting similar production in 2021 that he did in 2019. He's already someone on the, that can steal some bases for you. You know, he'll give you 10 to 15, most likely in a full season. I don't know if he's a 30 plus homer guy. I could definitely see 20, maybe 25, but I think this is someone that you can see a lot closer to the 2019 version than the 2020 version. If he's just a little bit more aggressive at the plate. And I think he will be in a full season next year. So I don't know if you guys are feeling the Catal Marte love, but uh, I, I don't, I don't think I've heard too many people straying away from him. He's the seventh ranked second baseman. I think that's pretty good value. I, I'm not letting him get past me if I don't have a second baseman yet. Actually, that's the way I feel about Cattell Marte, really. So if, if if I'm not getting wit, Cattell's my next is my next target. Actually, what about you, Brennan? Are you kind of the same on that? Yeah, I mean Marte is always going to hit in the top half of the lineup in Arizona, and but I also like that Whit Merrifield because bringing in Carlos Santana and Soler Power, Whit's going to hit right in front of it. That's a hundred and ten plus run scored easy. Mm-hmm. That's a very good point there. So we're, we're giving people a lot of love. So we always got to do the flip side of the coin. We got to start throwing some shade at people here. And Doc, you're the king of shade, so I'll let you start this one. Who are you fading at second base? All right, well, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing that I'm the king of shade. <laughs> I dislike I dislike Ozzy Albies for his ADP. And putting it out there, I'm a huge Ozzy Albies fan as a player. I love watching him. But at 31 in the second-ranked second baseman, I just can't get behind that. So the main appeal is hits because in 2019, he had 189 that led the NL. And he has some power. He had 24 home runs in both 2018 and 2019. A little bit of speed, 14 and 15 stolen bases. But he has a career 6.6 walk percentage, and it was 4% last season. Now, you juxtapose that with his strikeout percentage. Nice vocabulary. Oh, thank you. With his career strikeout percentage of 24.2%. That's showing that he's not getting on base a lot of times if he's not putting the ball in play. He's never hit 300 in a season. And you look at his splits, hit 289 versus right-hand pitching last year and 214 versus left-handed pitching. So even though he's a switch hitter, big difference. And I look at some of the 2019 lineups they had, because I think a lot of people are banking that he's going to hit second, and he might. But they were moving him around the lineup. They had him hitting seven and eight sometimes. And that's going to lower his value so much more if Brian Snicker decides to move him around the lineup if they end up facing left-handed pitcher, because he barely hits above 200. Cheesecake, you look like where you were perplexed for a second. Was that on his analysis or was that on something else? No, I'm looking at the statistics. Uh, I, I'm, I'm on B-Ref looking at, at Ozzy Albies because I have I have the same uh, hesitation on him after this past season. I also, you know, I, I wasn't sold on him coming into 19. He had that big 19, and then he, he, he came back down again in 20. I think 20 was more of an injury thing. Uh but uh, I do think that people are drafting him like there's no discount at all from 20. And I'd like to see a discount, which is why I, I think I might have Merrifield over him because I think, you know, you take those, you take Albies, you take Merrifield around the same spot. Although I think Albies has more upside. Brent, what about you? I, I think, or I'm sorry, she said, let's, I didn't, you didn't give your player yet. So let's stay with you and then we'll go to Brent who on the top 10 are you fading? Well, I'm going to fade Kevin Biggio, uh, 
one thing that you know about Kevin BGO is you look at his stat cast and he is a Mr. Freeze straight up from the old school Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze. Way to it's use all, our trademark. Absolutely. It's all blue except for his, his uh, walk rate, which is, which is stellar. And it has been stellar since he was in the minor leagues. So I think that's something you can count on with him. But I, I don't think that uh, you can necessarily count on that power uh, staying. Kevin Biggio uh, does not hit the ball especially hard. His max exit velocity in 2020 was 103.6. Now, you compare that to Whit Merrifield, a guy who no one says has great power potential, whose max exit velocity was 105.8. Whit's average home run was further than Kevin Biggio's as well, uh, 388 to 379. I don't think that uh, I don't think that that Biggio has yet. Uh, you see, you look at what he's produced so far, and you want to say, "Oh, the progression is coming." But then you look at the underlying stuff. His 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 swing take profile is is much too much too focused on the take, and not he doesn't swing enough. Uh, he doesn't make hard contact when he makes contact. Uh, but he has these other skills around him. He has some speed. He has he he puts the ball out of the park. But I I don't trust it, and I think he's going very high. He's going in the fifties when you could be looking at a lot of pitchers in that area and a lot of outfielders. And I think that uh, with, with, with BGO, I'm not trusting that he's going to take that next step forward, be worthy of that fourth or fifth round pick. Don't disagree. I've heard a lot of people down on him and uh, definitely somebody, even though he pays plays for to take Bubba's reference, the baby blue Jays, which should have a great offense. You have to wonder if all that blue is going to play out in a full season to where he's not going to be somebody you're going to be enthusiastic about in your lineup at second base, especially being in the top 10. So I don't disagree with you there, Cheesecake. Brent, where are you going for to stay away from the top 10? Um, Keston Hira, actually, with the Brewers. Uh, he kind of struggles a little bit with contact. He only batted around 200 last year, and he only has had like 530 some plate appearances. But I'm one of the I'm an oldies but goodies guy. I like guys that can prove it and have shown me that they're reliable. So like Brandon Lau, Marte, Muncie, McNeil, and Altuve, I'd take all of them over Hira. Yeah, I he's like I think when I sent you the show notes, I accidentally sent uh, sent you some of my uh, my players here because yeah, Keston Hira. Played, I have that on my sheet as well. He's played 143 games across two seasons. So almost an entire season's worth of data we can kind of look at now. Mm-hmm. And it's safe to say so far that he at least he knows how to barrel the ball. He was top 8% of the league in 2019 and top 9% in 2020. We know why he's barreling the ball is important because if you hit it, which is for barreling 98 miles an hour or, or over off the bat, along with a great launch angle, that's going to lead to more fly balls and home runs. And it's a great skill for a young hitter to have. This ties in well to his home run power, which he's shown because only five second basemen since he debuted have five or have hit more home runs than him. And that's Altuve, Rufnet Odor, Ozzy Albies, um, just to name a few that have hit more than him since he debuted. But that's about all as good as it gets for him because when you get past that, it gets really ugly. Like I'm talking about that like that boil on your face that you don't want to show to your friends or anything like that. Like that's, that, middle school. Uh, no, I was very yeah. clean skin free, but it gets really ugly because you look at that future breakout rate. It was 30.7% in 2019, which was 4% bottom 4% in the league. So he followed that up in 2020 with a stunning 
34.6% strikeout rate, which is also bottom 4% in the league. You like to see hitters getting better in that department as they get more acclimated to big league pitching, but not so with him. He went in the other direction, which was more troubling. You also look that he had a negative trend of the ball coming off his bat as his exit velocity, launch angle, sweet spot percentage all took big hits in 2020. And if you look at his actual and expected batting averages, along with his slugging percentages in 2019, they actually showed major regression, which took place in 2020. So looking at all that, combining with the fact that he regressed first breaking and off-speed pitches, which if you can't hit those consistently, that's going to be a problem if you're going to be an everyday player. Uh, I'm just, I'm really concerned. And add that also the fact that his fly ball rate went down and his ground ball percentage went up. It just everything that he has that's bad is in his profile. So I'm not saying it's not worth taking a gamble if he, his ADP were to slip to, you know, 20, the 20th second baseman, 15 to 20 second baseman off the board. But right now on NFBC, he's the fifth second baseman off the board. That is a price I am not paying. So big no for me. So I agree with everything you guys said. And with Keston here, you're definitely chasing his power. Like that, that's why you're taking him no stolen base upside. But I just think it's interesting because the Brewers overall had such a down year. Yelich, Omar Navez, as we said, Keston Hira. I wonder mm-hmm. if if they all and we've talked about how we think that Navar- that Narvez and Yelich are bounce back candidates. That if that if Keston Hira's numbers are slightly above what we project, if overall the team hits better. So I agree with you. I just think it's an interesting note. We'll add this in there, Eric. Who's hitting behind Christian Yelich in their lineup? Uh, Jed, Jed, Jed Jorko or Justin Smoke they currently have. So mm-hmm. you have Hira and you have Christian Yelich, and there's basically nobody else in that lineup to protect them. So are you confident that Hira is going to see pitches that he can actually do something with? It's not like they're scared of anybody else. And they're not going to put Keston Hira, uh, they're not going to put him behind uh, Christian Yelich most likely. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I would say from dropping him from 5 to 15 and to 20 might be a lot because I don't like a lot of players in those range. I would probably feel comfortable taking him more 9 to 10 just because, as you mentioned, that that power is so elite for second baseman. He does have some stolen base upside. I mean, last year he stole 3 and he stole in 12. I ain't calling that upside. He's stolen. I mean, he's stolen 12 <laughs> in basically what's been a full season's worth I of game. I, I ain't saying stealing three bags in 59 games is upside. <laughs> That's, it's a couple. Just throwing a couple there. But yeah, I think... A little chipping. A little chipping steals. Yeah. Uh, we'll sprinkle it in. sprinkle the steals. It's, it's the meme of the, the dude that goes like this. Salt bag. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're doing for that. <laughs> uh, so then let's go to the next range of players and let's go to 11 through 20. So next kind of tier here, there's a lot of interesting players in this range. Cheesecake, you know how to get this party started. So who in this range is somebody that you think is worth a target? I guess later on, obviously, because they're going to be a second baseman going between 11 and 20 is definitely going to be a lot later in your draft. Yeah, I am uh, looking at a guy who's getting a great opportunity because uh, some other somebody else couldn't lay off the roids, and that is Andres Jimenez, who is who is standing in as uh, the current starting shortstop. He's going to be he's second base shortstop eligible, but he's the current starting shortstop for the New York Mets and currently going off the board at the two hundred second two hundred sixth sorry pick in the draft. So right now, roster resource has him batting eighth. 
but I think that Jimenez is a guy who has potential to move up the batting order. He has uh, 263, 333, 398, uh, uh, triple slash last year, and a short cup of coffee. He's expected to hit 246, 296, 361, and I think those are really soft projections. In the minors, he hit nearly 280 with uh, 356 and a 405. Uh, um, on base percentage and slugging. So I, I think you might be able to say, say something close to that 270, 350, 400 sort of triple slash from him. And if he's putting that, I think he's going to be moving up the batting order, even though I look at that Mets batting order and I'm not sure. I'm gonna, I mean, I don't think he's going to bat ahead of, of Nimmo or McNeil. I mean, there's a lot of good hitters in that lineup, but uh, I still think that uh, at pick 206, you know, a guy who never played above double A before this past season coming in and uh, and really, really, um, really showing that he belonged in the majors in his first go round. I think he has room to grow. And at pick 206, if he doesn't grow, you're not really hurting your team. But if he does, I think you got yourself a, a, a good contributor in uh, in four categories. He's not really going to give you much power, even though. He hits the ball harder than Kevin Biggio. I'm going to say that 109.5 max exit velocity, whereas Biggio's is 103.6. So he hits the ball harder, actually, but I don't think he he sells out for power. He doesn't go for power. Uh, He was never a huge power guy in in the minor leagues, but I will think that that he's going to have a pretty good batting average. He's going to get you some, you know, 20, 15 to 20 steals. And in a good good Mets lineup, even if he's sitting towards the back end, he's going to have a chance to get some runs in RBIs. I'll take it. You know why I'm giving you that applause? Because no. we've, been, we've been through three players now, and you have not said, this is the guy. This is the guy. <laughs> almost did. Almost did. I was paying attention. <laughs> I was like taking notes. I was like, all right, he's been through three. I have to give it to him. <laughs> It's it's the addiction that we're getting him off of. I, I, I caught myself earlier in the show. I almost said it earlier, like Eric said. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, Brent, what about you? Yeah, I actually am going with the Moose in Cincinnati. I think he's kind of a little bit of a steal at 12 with 129 ADP. Playing in Cincinnati, he's probably going to bat fourth or fifth. Hits in that nice right field porch. And I mean, if he stays healthy, he's been he has first base eligibility as well. And that's a shallow position. You can fill him and move him around. But yeah, I like Moose in Cincinnati. I'm determined that I sent you my notes because this is now two in a row, Brent. This is a problem. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to add to what Brent said because he's 100% right. Uh, just I look at his K rate and the thing that's, only thing that really scares me is that it went up 6% to a career high 22%. And it's risen every year since uh, 2016. I think this actually regresses in a full year. His walk percentage did go up. His XBA was actually better than his actual batting average. Nothing in his profile, if you kind of look across the board at anything, is very different from his 2019 numbers. This is a dude that, this isn't a guy, this is a dude. Still on pace (laughs) to hit another 30 home runs from the second base position. He does need to work on hitting, breaking, and off-speed pitches, which I think uh, he will in a full season. I expect him to be closer to 2019 because he did a lot better with them. But so many things in his profile are just within a few percentage points of every single year. He's very, very, very consistent. So if you're looking for a guy that's consistent year in, year out, you know you're going to get that probably 250, 260 batting average, 30 home runs, 
from the second base position. He's just a slam dunk. If you want in this area to pick someone to be a staple, it's the Moose. Yeah, and too, like people like the NL Central, the pitching is god-awful. Besides mm-hmm. Brandon Woodruff and Jack Flaherty, who do you got throwing you the ball? Chad Cool? I mean... <laughs> well, well, you're telling me you Darvish is a scrub? Uh, I, I mean, people. I think people have you Darvish way too high, but I mean, yeah. what, two, three good pitchers in the entire division he's got to face. You throw some Chad Cool in there, I'll cool hit a home run off of that, as we should probably say. <laughs> yeah, a lot of Joe Musgrove owners are going, what are you talking about right now? <laughs> <laughs> Mitch Keller's the Raiders of Lee! You might as well throw Mitch Keller in there. Yeah. <laughs> His September was amazing. John yeah, <laughs> Lester can throw five shutout innings. And Jameson Tyon, I mean, can't forget their whole yeah, rotation, guys. We're going to, wow. Don't Everyone forget to go to don't forget Dakota Hudson and his 1.46 whip. <laughs> you guys, you guys, come on, guys. Don't pick on a Central from front of a Cubs fan. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Doc, round us out. Who are so you like here? So it's interesting because Moustakis was my fir- was my pick for the first baseman I didn't like last week. But I like him as a second baseman. So it's interesting when you frame them for where you're ranking them. Um, and that takes me to my point because Art didn't like Jake Cronenworth as a first baseman, but I love him as a second baseman. He's ranked as the 15th on NFBC with an ADP of 151. So last year, in 54 games, he had 285 with four homers and 20 RBIs. He had three stolen bases in 54 games, not 59, David. So according <laughs> to you, that means he has stolen base upsides. And sneaky yes, upside. he does. But he has some speed because he also had three triples. So I don't think this should go unnoticed. And through his playing career from 2015 to 2020, he has a 17% K rate. And that's kind of identical to what he had last year. And he's going to be playing in a great, great hitting San Diego Padres lineup. He's currently projected to hit six. And he has first, second, and short base – or shortstop. The new position? <laughs> short base. <laughs> And shortstop eligibility. So I think when somebody has three positions they can cover, I, I think like someone like Marwin Gonzalez is like a roto darling. No, don't talk about that piece of trash on. Okay, because he played every position but catcher. And I think someone like Jay Cronenworth, where he covers three, is just so, so valuable. And I love picking players in a good offense, regardless of what sport, because it's going to be more opportunities to score. We could have used that Marwin Gonzalez money and put it towards pitching. <laughs> uh, but I want to get negative again since we're talking about Marwin <laughs> Gonzalez. And I'm going to go back to you, Brent. In the 11 to 20 range, who just makes you sigh when you see their name on the screen? I have a feeling all three of us are going to have the same guy, Dylan Moore. Is there something on this guy that like, I don't know about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's 28 years old. He has like 400 at bats, and he's currently going 110 in in the NFBC. It doesn't make any doesn't. I don't understand. Yeah, no. I mean, he's kind of. I mean, a limited sample size, not a lot of like data to show you he's worth that that kind of pick. I don't remember if I know Eric. You put him on there as the one you just. I don't think Cheesecake did, but. Mm-hmm. uh no, I mean, it's, it's very interesting because that Seattle team is undergoing a youth movement mm-hmm. and they're going to be, a, you know, a couple of years away from being a real contender. But I- I'm guessing because of his stolen base upside 
And the fact that he'll probably have a lot of access to a lot of playing time is the only reasons I can think of of why he's getting pu- pushed up that much, especially because Roto is emphasized heavy in the NFBC. But again, that's it, it's pretty ridiculous. Doc, if you want to add to that, since I know that's your guy too. Yeah, I mean, Brent touched on a lot of good points. He doesn't hit for good average. He's hit 206 and 255 the past couple of years. And, and really the value is still on base upside because he had 11 and 12. So in a full season, you're looking for maybe in the mid to upper 40s. But he has a low walk rate. It's 8, 8.8% for his career. And he has a high strikeout rate. It's 30.8%. So basically you have to depend him getting on base. And he's not even projected to hit number one. J.P. Crawford is. And you look at that lineup, it's J.P. Crawford 1, Dylan Moore 2, Kyle Lewis 3, who we all thought was going to regress and strikes out a lot, Kyle Seeger 4, that's it. And I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm with Brent. I don't see the appeal, I guess, the stolen base upside, but if he's not getting on base and he, if he's not even hitting at the top of the lineup, is he going to have that potential? I don't think so. Uh, cheesecake, I know you are itching. Itching, I can just tell. So, I, I actually, in. I actually wanted to just uh, drop a little preview for our next section about why uh, uh, why Doc is wrong. There is more to that <laughs> Seattle lineup, and I will tell you about that in a few minutes. <laughs> I didn't tell you want to interlude with Doc being wrong. I am all here. Pun, pun, pun intended. Using more, right? Right. Oh, there Absolutely. we go. Absolutely. My eleven to twenty. Uh, guy I'm, I'm fading real hard is Jonathan VR. I fade Jonathan VR every year because really he's just not that great of a baseball player. Uh, he has shots he, fired. He has, he has great speed. Absolutely. I'll fire shots all day. Jonathan, if you're listening, uh, you're not that good of a baseball player. <laughs> well, there goes him ever coming on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like he showed this past season that he's not really that valuable to a good team when he was traded to from Miami to Toronto and did not perform well in Toronto. And I also think that that sort of sealed his his value as a part-time player in Major League Baseball because Miami picked him up. Miami got him with the hopes that they would be able to trade him for somebody. They traded him. They got something back. I, I don't remember what the return was, and then he stunk. I don't think a, a good team is going to pick him up for their team. And I don't think a bad team really can look at him and go, this is a guy who we can invest some money and time in now and get a return on him in, Ju- in July. I don't think that's going to happen. I actually think Jonathan VR is a candidate to be playing in Japan this season um, with, with all the, uh, the different uh, you know people who might be uh, signed as well in second base or shortstop. Like who's, who's going to think Jonathan VR is the answer to, to there. There's, I mean, what team is going to want to trade for him in July? What what team is going to sign him now to be a starting second baseman or shortstop? I just don't see it. So for me, a guy like VR, who I cannot predict any playing time, I cannot project any of it, is a guy I'm fading. He's going right now, I think, around right around the same place as Moose, who has a great playing situation and, and a great ballpark for hitting home runs. Uh, I don't know how you can take VR over Moose when they're – they're up against each other, even if you need speed, because what's VR going to do playing part-time possibly, or in Japan, you're not getting Japanese stolen bases. So I'm fading him. Japanese stolen bases. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Let's add it as a category to Roto. Japanese (laughs) stolen bases. What would that that consist of? Alex Fast would win that category. He would would research. There you go. Uh, So I'm going to start mine with the story. 
and I'm going to embarrass myself. I was looking up Nick Magical, and that's who the guy I'm fading. And for some reason, I thought he was Michael Kopech. And I was like, well, yeah, we always, anytime we bring up, uh, uh, what's his name? Nick Madrigal, that we always talk about his hot wife and the girls he's dated. But that, again, that is not Nick Madrigal, that is Michael Kopech. So I spent about 30 minutes searching the internet and I looked on his Wikipedia page. I was like, wait, why is his wife not listed in his personal? And then I went to his Instagram and I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't look like the same girl. Did he get remarried or is he with a new girl? Did he break up with his marriage? Like what's going on? And I literally spent 30 minutes trying to figure out why I could not find his dating history. And then I realized that it was not Nick Madrigal, it was Michael Kopech with all that good stuff that I always mention. And so I was like, I wasted 30 minutes of my life that I will never get back. So, (laughs) (laughs) And and is our punishment... You wasted three minutes of our time with that story. Yeah. The <laughs> yes! Woo! Good point, Art. Roasted. All right, David, continue. Not even drinking tonight. I'm just on a roll. No. <laughs> so, after I got through that embarrassing story, Doc, did you Doc, did you know he's your height? I did not know that. He's 5'5". Five five. He's 5'5". Five five. Right, he's on my love list, maybe. Yeah, so Nick Madrigal at 5'5". Five five. We talk about somebody that he he's going to have a spot on that team, most likely. But where in the lineup is he actually going to hit is the question. And this is a guy, thank you, Art, uh, since I figure I should leave with your thing here. He's a guy that doesn't have any type of power to speak of. He literally hit less than 10 home runs his entire minor league career. I believe it was four. His entire minor league career, like time. And, and so it's it's somebody that, you know you can't count on for power. Take that also. The, the good thing about him, if you do have him, is he has a minuscule strikeout rate. Um, he's going to be in the top 10, I think, every single year in terms of not striking out. So you know it's somebody that's going to put the bat on the ball, probably back close to 300, but that's about it for him. He only had two steals and 109 plate appearances last year, so I think you'll be lucky if you get 10 out of him most likely in a year. And again, somebody that I know... Uh, is just literally going to hit 300, and he's not even going to hit in the top of the lineup. He's projected to probably hit more towards 8th or ninth, just kind of be at the end of a stacked lineup, but not be where he can get a lot of runs, RBIs, anything like that. He's pretty much just going to be get on base at the end of the lineup. Be lucky if someone hits him in at the top. No good exit velocity, no good hard hit percentages. He's just going to be, I know this is not my term, he's going to be a jag. He's going to be just a guy. And he going in the top 20 over guys after 20 that I think have a lot more upside than him. I don't think this is somebody that you, you get and you're confident about, honestly. David, I'm calling you a politician because you flip-flopped because you were Nick Magical crazy last year. Or as you called him, Nick Magical. <laughs> now what happened? Same well, things we tried to tell you. No, it's right. literally... I, we did the prospect episode, and I said I would take whichever the two were left. And no, no, I believe, you were right, Nick. Let's replay the tapes. When we're done, we'll replay the tapes. Yeah, I'm not advanced enough to play audio while we're recording. Politician David. That's all uh, I got to say. You're yeah, just being salty because you're always wrong. <laughs> Brennan, Brennan again is like, what the hell? Is the what did I get? <laughs> but uh, let's go to the last 
part of this. And we're going to talk about second basemen that are outside the top 20 that you might love. And outside the top 20 means you most likely can get them at a pretty cheap cost. So I'm going to go back to Brent because it's been a while since Brent talking. I'm tired of hearing Doc. So Brent, go ahead and give us yours outside the top 20. I actually got, well, I have the one guy that it could be a homer pick, but then I have a backup as well. But the one is Luis Arise. He is currently going 362, and he's the 35th second baseman off the board. And Roster Resource got him batting second with the Twins right after Max Kepler, right before Josh Donaldson, and I hope Nelson Cruz. But I think Arise is going to win a batting title before his career is over, if not a couple. So I think he is a steal. And my other guy real quick is Starling Castro. I don't know why he's way down there. He's had career highs in home runs and RBIs two years ago, and he's batting fourth for the Nationals. Yeah, when we were talking about Nick Madrigal, I was thinking, it sounds like you can just take Luis Arise 160 picks later and get a, a better version of Nick Madrigal right now. It's a very good point. There is a lot of Nick Madrigal, like, pretty much production and arise. And I figured you were going to go the arise route because as a twins fan, I was like, yeah, I think I don't want to go that same route. Cause I was like, that's going to probably going to pick, but you're right. He's, they talk about him winning batting titles. I heard most podcasts is like, who's your sleeper to win a batting title this year in the American league. And he was like the answer for everybody. Mm-hmm. So great picks. And he, and you're right. He's somebody that gives you magical production, but more power, you know, 20 picks later. So good and, point and, there. Cheesecake. And and he's hitting second, whereas uh, Nick Madrigal is hitting, where'd you say, eighth in the lineup, maybe? He'll be eighth or ninth. I, I don't have a yeah. in person for I mean, not, now that I'm thinking about it, Arise looks like a great target in that respect. And also, he has one of the like funnest plate appearances to watch. If it's a ball, he'll step back and shake his head no to the pitcher. Step right back <laughs> up in the plate and wait for the next one. <laughs> I haven't seen that. Does he really do that? Yep, yep. Especially against the good pitchers. He'll step back, shake his head no, look at the pitcher, and step right back in again. Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, you'll have to look it up. <laughs> it's just, it's things because I, since I'm not near the area, I, I don't have MLB TV. So I, I always just get to see highlights. I never watch the games. But uh, now I'm, I might have to tune in for that now. That's pretty <laughs> awesome. Doc, what about you? All right. Thanks. So I was tired of hearing your voice, Mr. Host. Uh, for me, it's Tommy Listella. And this is my disclaimer he's not flashy, but rosterable. That's like his slogan. So last year he had 281 with five homers and 25 RBIs. I actually think his stats would have been better, but he was traded from the Angels to the Athletics, and I think a trade midseason with COVID is definitely tough. Last year he had 27 walks and 12 strikeouts. He more than doubled the amount of strikeouts that he had with walks. That's crazy. For his career, he has a 9.1 walk percentage and a 9.6K percentage. So he's putting the ball in a lot of, uh, in play a lot of times. He's in a good athletics lineup. He's going to have first and second base eligibility. And he got at least one plus hit in 41 out of his 55 games, which is 74.5%. So in 75% of his games, he got at least one hit. That's not even factoring the games that he, he got on base via walk. So David, before we go to your poopy analysis, the people need to know that Tommy Listella should be on a roster. Two thousand years later. <laughs> Are you done? No. Good analysis. <laughs> I was saving that for cheesecake one day, but I felt relevant now. 
gosh, David, I hate you so much. I, I want a new host. Let's <laughs> and let's let's petition to get Doug on this code on this uh, podcast. Doug's I'll petition to replace me with Doug too. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, let's get let's get you relegated to like a startup pod. That's fine. <laughs> Cheesecake. Who are you going outside the top twenty? <laughs> I want to go outside the top twenty uh, for my host, D. Mandy. No, um, uh, yeah, I agree. he's outside the top twenty hosts. <laughs> <laughs> he's a sleeper. He's a sleeper. Uh, I live by being. Uh, Ty France is is my guy outside the top twenty. Projected to hit, I think, 7th or 8th in Seattle's lineup right now. He's, he's projected as starting DH, but he has third base and second base eligibility. Currently going as the 31st second baseman off the board at pick 316. I really like what he's bringing to the table this year. Ty France has a very good launch angle, average launch angle of 14.8%. That is, that is right near power stroke. You want to be a little bit over 15, I think, uh, to get that power stroke. And that means that with uh, with his with his good bat to ball skills, that he's going to be able to produce more power than his than his exit velocity and barrels uh, uh, project him to produce. But he does have a good max exit velocity of one hundred eight point two, and his average home run last season was four hundred twenty five feet, which is nothing to sneeze at. Uh, in the minors, he was a two ninety four three eighty nine four seventy triple slash. He's uh, twenty six years old, so he wasn't ever young for his level but that just shows the the type of production that he's he's been putting in for a while and he came up to the to the majors and so far in the majors he's 265 326 431 uh in in two two small uh cups of coffee in 19 and 20 he's he's projected to hit 259 322 438 i think those are soft projections i think you can expect him to hit uh 265 to 270 at least and I think that uh, with his good 9% walk rate, he's going to have about a 350 OBP. And Seattle, I think, like you said, they're going to be in flux a little bit with that lineup as the season goes on. I think that Ty France is a good shot to move up that lineup. And I like him getting regular at-bats. So Ty France at pick 316, to me, is is a real good value at that, uh, at that, late, at that late spot. Yeah, that Seattle offense is very interesting. And Ty France, like with the actual playing times, he was not getting it with the Padres. I'm very curious. I mean, this might be somebody who doesn't hit, uh, you know, maybe above 250 or 260. But yeah, that that power is there. Like you said, the ball is not a cheapo home run when he hits it. I'm very curious. He gets 500 plate appearances, what he's going to do with it. I think it's somebody I wouldn't actually be shocked to see his ADP creep up, especially if spring training goes and he looks good in spring training, and you know he has that everyday job. That's somebody that if you do a draft before spring training, you might benefit from that really low ADP. So I think that's a great call there, Cheesecake. I'll go with my guy here, and this is strictly to make Eric Cross happy. I don't know if I believe in him or not, but he hasn't been set on our show in a long time. So I'm going to say Garrett Hampson. And again, this is just for you, Eric. So I know you listen. I want to make you happy here. And I'll talk about the, uh, I'm going to talk about the negative. I'll end on a positive note. Let's start with the negative first. It's really ugly. It starts with how bad he is against off speed pitches. He does not hit the fastball as well as he should for a major league hitter. His whiff rates on are 47% against off speed and breaking pitches. That, that's awful for the, both those pitches that he sees. His chase contact percentage dropped for the third straight year. 
and it dropped an enormous enormous 10% from 2019. His increased first pitch swing and overall swing percentage also jumped his whiff rate near 30% on all pitches last year. His weak contact, weak contact percentage, so this is the worst type of contact you can have on a ball, went from 1.9% in 2019 to 15.3% in 2020. That is I didn't even know someone even had a number that high for weak contact. That is awful. And we'll end on some positives here. He improved against the breaking ball as the year went on. His ground ball rate went down, and his line drive rate went up significantly. He had five homers, 11 RBIs, and six steals, and 184 plate appearances. So over 500 plate appearances, you're getting a potential 2020 player if he plays consistently every day, and then that's a big if. But with Dahl gone... That's one less body in Colorado. You know they don't ever play their prospects that they they should be calling up. So he's already kind of been there a little while, so I think he'll get that benefit of the doubt. And I think that should hopefully make him produce. And it's not like he costs a lot. So it's a gamble, but potential 2020 there. He's got the tools. Just yellow it. Take some Garrett Hampson. Eric, I, Eric, a.k.a. Doc, was also a fan of Garrett Hampson. So maybe us Eric's just believe in him. And both Eric's are wrong. Up to this point. Oh, you're calling Eric Cross wrong? <laughs> Eric Cross really showed the freak out of you, David. You don't mess with him. <laughs> He's wrong. On, barely been wrong on Garrett Hampson so far. But I'm I'm stepping my toe into the Garrett Hampson pool. So maybe me touching the pool of Garrett Hampson will make it where he actually is good this year. I hope there's a shark in that pool that gets you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know how to transition from that. But <laughs> let's get to our game of the, or no, let's scratch the game. Luckily, we're not live, so Art can edit that part out. <laughs> let's get to our question of the week. Week. <laughs> it's a complete failure on my part. It deserved a failure there. And I feel like Art's going to leave that in. Gosh, that's beautiful. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. So our question of the right. week. Yeah, I deserved that. Our question of the week is sponsored by Shady Rays. Tell them about our sponsor there, Mr. Cheesecake. Or I'm sorry, Doc. You're the you're the sponsoring boy. You tell them while I get my brain unjumbled here. Yeah, David, I don't know what's up with you today. Drums, please. Shady, shady, shady rays. Shady rays, baby. They block your eyes so vision doesn't go away. Winter is here, the weather is cruel, but come summer, don't you want to be cool? Making fun of me for this is childish, but I'm over here, chilling all stylish. When you help, you get the good feels. For every order donated, or for every order, they donate ten meals. Shady, shady, shady rays. Shady rays, baby. They block your eyes so vision doesn't go away. That was me singing. But now you can put that into action by using code Triple Play at ShadyRays.com to get 25% off any order, excluding the RX series. White Elephant is a few days away, and if you're doing it late this year, think about ordering them. And ugly. God. <laughs> you just made everybody's eardrums bleed with your singing. Oh, well, Mark <laughs> clapped for me, and at least I didn't mess that up five times like you did. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> All right. 
Boys, please. <laughs> okay, Sorry, Dad. Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Our question of the week, sponsored by Shady Rays. Who is the most professional MLB player? So this is someone that's respected in the clubhouse, someone who does not complain about their contract publicly, someone who always seems to talk to the media. So the ultimate professional. And we are going to start with the ultimate professional on this podcast who is dealing with a lot of BS from us, and that is Mr. Brent. So go ahead. But who are you taking? I was going to say, that was very impressive. Did you just come up with that on your head, or are you reading off a script? I'm talking to you, Doc. Oh, uh, you know, I have some downtime at work. I'm in sales in between calls. and just kind of thinking in my head. I, it took me like five minutes to write. Nice. There you go. <laughs> you. No, but my uh, player of the year, the guy that I feel like has made the Minnesota Twins what they are the past couple of years, he won the Humanitarian Award. He built a police station, uh, fire station, built a couple schools in the DR, and that's Nelson Cruz. Uh, if you watch the Twitter video back uh, in June sometime, it just shows how much that meant to him. I mean, he could he could barely talk. He was so emotional. But I mean, he's he's done so much in the Minneapolis area. He's made Miguel Sano go from a child to a man, pretty much. Showed him the way. And a lot of people look up to him in that Minnesota clubhouse. And I hope they re-sign him because if we don't, I think we're looking at like a 70-win season without him. I 100% agree. That's a great call. Nelson Cruz is a great, humble professional. You never hear anything negative about him in the news. That's a, a great pick there, Brent. Doc, what about you? So for me, it's Freddie Freeman. And, you know, I, I think we look back at the season and he had COVID and he wasn't one of those people that, that glamorized it or, I mean, I guess that's the wrong word, but really kind of made a big deal about it. He's very humble. He has never complained publicly about his contract. And I think a large, a large part of that has to do with his mom dying when he was 10. And I think he, he said, you know, he's really tried to make her proud and to do the right things and to try to be you know, a really good public figure and about time he won his first MVP award. So I think great player, great guy and somebody that, you know, you want to root for. That was mine. So while Cheesecake says his, I will think on the fly. I was wondering why you were sitting back there. Yeah. Go ahead, Cheesecake. I'm going to think of one. Um, I'm going to go with a little hometown pick and take uh, Jason Hayward as the most professional. Now he's not going to ever complain about his contract because he's making a lot of money to be a, a good fielding, light hitting outfielder for the Cubs, but he never he doesn't let his struggles at the plate take away from his effort on the field or his effort in the clubhouse at leadership. Jason Hayward in 2016 World Series, his first season with the team, they uh, the the Cubs make a comeback. They're about to, to to win the World Series and Rajay Davis hits a it's a home run to tie the game. <clears throat> and then there's a short rain delay with a Cubs team that should have been a little bit demoralized, having had their World Series taken out of their grasp. And Jason Hayward brings the whole team into the into the clubhouse and 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 bucks them up for this last push to get the World Series. And they ended up taking it the next inning and and uh and to me, a clubhouse leader, a guy who who shows up and gives that effort every day and is a consummate professional is Jason Hayward. Right as you were finishing your thought, one came to me. So luckily, I don't have to make this awkward. So talking about a consummate professional, talking about somebody that inspires others, makes others better players, makes makes basically everybody kind of surround them, their energy. That's Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer, his infectious competitive energy not only feeds players on the field and makes them want to play better, play harder, 
but he here everybody's talking about how great of a teammate he is. He's still really close with Justin Bur. Like they've talked, they said him, Justin Lerner talk a little bit. Um, you know, you, everybody you talk about as on his team talks about how great of a guy he is in the clubhouse. He can rib when he's not pitching, but when he's pitching, you know, he's in the zone. He's going to do his thing. We had Danny Espinosa on. Danny Espinosa was glowing about his contributions to the team and what it was like being a teammate of his. You never hear him talk. I mean, those contracts are very high, never public about it. And just seems like a very loyal and good teammate talks to the media. So Max Scherzer is my pick. Great players all around though, from everybody. We are going to transition from that to our game of the week. All right. Game of the week. And Doc, you are hosting our game. So what are we playing? All right. Well, we talked about second baseman that we like and that we don't like, and maybe who are popular and aren't in terms of fantasy rankings. But now it's really important. How popular are they on social media? So I have 10 second basemen here, and I want you to guess their Twitter followers. So the closest one wins, it's not going to be prices right, where if you go over, it's wrong. So we're going to go David, Art, Brent, and then Art, Brent, David, rotate. I have 10 here, and I will look up an 11th if we have a tiebreaker. Sound good, gentlemen? Sounds great. So the first one, David, we are starting with you, and it's Kevin Biggio. I know his Instagram isn't very active. I think he only has like 7,000 followers on Instagram, so I'm assuming his Twitter is probably not good. I'm going to say it's 15K. Art? 25,000. And Brent? 42,000. Well, David stalked him a little bit, I guess. He has 16.8 thousand uh, Twitter followers, so pretty close. So David gets the point for that. Yeah, just from stalking him on Instagram. You guys need to come back. Can't let David win the game. Art, (laughs) we're starting with you for number two. It's our boy, our old boy, Jeff McNeil. Did you guys ever look at his Twitter? I know I did. No. No, I don't. uh, I don't. I don't. I don't speak his name anymore. Um, okay. <laughs> Jeff McNeil has um, New York City. I'm going to give him a lot. I, I'm going to say forty thousand for Jeff McNeil. Okay, Brent. Yeah, I like that New York. I'd give him a uh, hundred ten thousand. And David, I'm pretty sure it's a lot less than that. I don't remember if it's in the forties or the sixties, but I think it's. I want to say maybe like sixty one. Artist closest, he has 48,900. You know, I was going to say 49, and I decided against it, and I should have just went with my gut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. These well, baseball yeah. players are not popular. Shit. <laughs> I, I have 137 followers. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one, and Brent, we're starting with you. Uh, the Albies. Mm. 81,000. Okay. David? I think he actually is a little more popular. I'm going to go 111. And Art? I'm going to say 80,999. Just to, just to undercut Brent's on this one. Oh, you can't, you can't see him right now. I'm sure he's giving you a finger over there. I'm going to, I'm going to get, I think, I think he's low. I think he's low. You, should have, you should have upcut him one because he has oh. 85,000. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, wrong oh. direction. Wrong That's direction. What you get. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. 
So after three, you guys each got a point, and you all have been close in the ones you got right. So kind of impressive. David, we're going to go back to you, Mr. Gavin Lux. Oh, he isn't. He has a bunch on Instagram. So I'm assuming that's going to translate to Twitter because I think Dot, you get that Dodger bump. Like, you know how you have the, uh, in fantasy, it's the Dodger, what did you call it, Art? The Dodger bump, yeah. Or, yeah. So I think he gets the Dodger bump for followers too. I'm the first number that popped in my head was 77,000. I don't know why. Okay. Art? I think Lux is young. And you know, kids these days know their social media. I'm thinking he's like 150K. Okay. And Brent? 55,000. All right. Well, none of you guys were close, but Brent was the closest. He has 27,200. Oh, whoa. Okay. Okay. Ouch. All right. So Brent went from being in last to first. And we're at number five, and Art is starting with Mike Moustakis. Mike Moustakis seems to be like a gruff but friendly guy. So it seems to me that he would he would only post pictures of himself with his dog in you know in orange hunting or something like that. So uh, I'm going to say like five thousand. Okay, Brent. Yeah, I'm surprised Moose even has a Twitter. Uh, Twenty five thousand. Okay, and David. Uh, the first number that popped in my head was twenty three thousand. He seems like someone who literally does not use social media, but he's going to have that following. So I'm going in between them. All right. Well, you guys are all way, way, way off. He has two hundred fifty four thousand. Oh, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Really? Actually, kind of active on there. His header or like his Twitter icon picture is him and his wife and their two kids in the middle. He seems like a good family man. So. I'm going to follow Mike Moustakis now. <laughs> that's that's three for Brent. And we are going, and he is starting with Cattell Marte. 44,000. David? I'm going to one-up him and go 45. And Art? 45,001. <laughs> right, Once again, you guys do it in the wrong direction. He has 2,000. 308 followers. Yeah. Yeah. I looked yesterday. He got four followers from uh, yesterday to today. But we almost have more followers than him. (laughs) Shoot, I'm going to give him a follow. Maybe he'll give a follow back. Yeah, (laughs) gee. We're learning something today from this show. Exactly. So Brent's got four, and you guys each have one. And David, we're going back to you. Jonathan VR. Oh, 17K. Let's go. All right, Art. You saying one? One. One. <laughs> one. Thirty thousand. Are you really locking in with one? I'm one. He deserves zero. <laughs> so David, so David said seventeen. Art, you said one, and Brent, you said thirty. Yeah. All right. Well, it goes to David. He had. He has ten thousand five hundred. So, All right. Uh, I, was like, I was like, yeah, you could, you could literally say like maybe like two thousand, and you. Get close. <laughs> next, his one, hate ran too deep. Yeah, too deep. Next one, we're, we're going with Art, and it's Colton Wong. Colton Wong, thirty-three thousand. Okay, Brent. I think he's actually big. Last time I checked, like two hundred thousand plus. Okay, and David. Oh my God. Uh, 
I was going to say 43, but I need to help myself and go a little bit more in the middle. So I'll say, what did Art say? I said 33. I'm going to go... 200. I'm just going to go right in the middle at like 100,000. All right. Well, Brent is closer. He has 153,900. Wow. Nice. Wow. I know oh, a lot man. of those Cardinals players have a lot of followers. They, they do. They do. They talk, talk about the card bump. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, that's a real thing. So Brent won, but we're going to do the last two for fun anyway. <laughs> and we're going to start with Brent. Jazz Chisholm. 10,000. Okay. David? I looked him up before, and I'm going to be a little bit wrong, but I know the range of it. It's I think it's like 7,000. Art? 6,999. <laughs> yeah, you old cheater. <laughs> I right, worked one time. He is 4,889. He's got two to today. I, I knew he Because he replied to me once. So I knew. Hey, way to go, Jess. I, I, I didn't want to say that before because then, then it might be like, oh, he doesn't have a lot of followers if he replied <laughs> to the account. Yeah, he would have literally given it away that he had like 10,000 or less. Yeah, maybe. Um, all right, well, David and Order are tied with two. Brent has five, so let's We're see. fighting for second place. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And, and we're starting with David for this one. Rubnet Odor. I'm going 89,000. Which way are you wow. going to undercut me, Art? Wow, I think you're... I think you're so far off that I'm not going to undercut you. I'm going to say he has, I think he has like, I think he has like 8,000. 50,000. All, right. All right. Well, it goes to Brent again. He is 30,700. But Art was wow. closer than David on that. So Art gets second place and a big old. What? That's not how, that's not how it works. Is that how it works? You get the point or you get nothing. Brent, you literally made them look foolish. And they need to step up their social media game. So 30 seconds of FaceTime well, goes to you, my man. Hey. He gets the applause. He crushed us. All you, my man. If you, uh, obviously, again, thank you for coming on. It's, it's an absolute blast having you on the show. I want to give you the FaceTime to plug what you're doing, uh, anything you want to promote, anything like that, any secret stuff you got going in the works, all that good stuff. Yeah, so we'll probably get rolling again at the beginning of the year after Christmas and New Year's. Uh, you can follow the podcast at Exit Velocity PC and then me at Exit Velo underscore BH. And then we also got Zach Braff, who on Twitter I called a legend the other day to get him in that hosting bracket or whatever <laughs> they got going on. But then we also got Jordan. He's at Exit Velo underscore JR. And we just hope to get some more players on and see what happens from there and i enjoy you guys a lot too i appreciate you having me on and you guys had some nice players on nice old like uh retired guys and all that oh i appreciate that man thank you yeah it's i mean you've gotten some guys it's it's like just nice when people take their time out mm-hmm. to to talk to us because we you know we're fans and you know we talk fantasy but we just love talking baseball ultimately so um you guys do great stuff as well it's really nice to you kind of finally be able to talk with you not just over the computer you know yeah yeah. Um, That's what we're doing exactly. You know, we're talking over a computer. <laughs> you know what? I'm pretending we're next to each other having a beer right now. It's a lot more realistic now. Uh, but I want to thank you again for coming on. Where can they find you, by the way? On You said uh, exit velo underscore BH, right? Yep. Yep. 
You are not in your podcasting game, David. No, I've been doing too many this week, but I want to make sure everybody, thank you for listening. Really appreciate it. Hopefully my bad hosting will not deter you away from future episodes. Make sure if you want to stick around, you tune in next week for our shortstop position preview with Aaron Pags of Fantasy and Frames. So make sure you don't miss that. Until then, we're recording this on Tuesday. So I want to make sure everybody knows that we wish you a safe and wonderful holiday, whatever you celebrate. And we will catch you next week.